All right. Hello and welcome just to family. This is giving you something to talk about live TV. I am your host, Melissa Crutchler. I'm an identity coach, spiritual teacher, business mentor, and the founder of Women Supporting Women Can, which is a group dedicated to women just supporting each other and creating a very loving, supportive community. Um, today, we're going to be talking about breaking the cycles. And it's a very amazing topic that I, I can't wait to, to go into more. I'm sorry, I was having an issue with my live stream there. Um, and I can't wait to go into this topic more. This episode has been sponsored by A Phoenix Identity, helping you create a life that you love and removing the trauma and the negativity of what's no longer serving you. So they are sponsoring this episode. So today's guest is none other than one of my very good friends. And I have like a little moth going across the screen now. Um, none other than one of my own very good personal friends, somebody that I look up to who has been a mentor to me. And I am ecstatic to be bringing her here today because she is empowering and supportive and, and just part of the community that we're trying to create of inclusivity and judgment-free and, and a life of love and, and happiness. And so today's my guest host is Amy Shalafo. Hi, Melissa. Thank you for all the kind words. I feel the same way about you, my dear. I love it. So if you could, would you like to tell our audience today about you? Sure. Uh, my name is Amy Shalafu. So I am, I'm here on the unceded territories of the Stanaymuk, uh, Stanawis, uh, Suminas First Nation, and the Mid-Island Métis, uh, otherwise known as Nanaimo on Vancouver Island on the beautiful West Coast, where it's it's living up to its, its reputation and it's very rainy and stormy outside today. It was spring last week. I don't know what happened. Um, I'm currently the Indigenous Literacy Coordinator for Literacy Central Vancouver Island. And I get to do all kinds of fun things. I get to empower a lot of people through literacy, through literature. I host open mic events that's live streamed once a month. Um, we, I have a women's group, a journaling group. And just last month, we started decorating our journals. Um, but I'm not naturally crafty, so I'm learning with them. And I'm lucky that one of the women in the group has a, um, she's a pro as far as I'm concerned. She knows what she's doing. So that's been a lot of fun. Um, and I'm also an outreach worker. Uh, I sit on the board for the 710 Club Society. It's a local soup kitchen, basically breakfast club. And I deliver lunches to our friends that are experiencing homelessness. Um, I just do that as a volunteer and as a way to keep in touch with the marginalized community that I'm very impassioned about. I'm also a mother. I have... Uh, four children. Uh, one has passed away many years ago. And I'm also a grandma. I'm a cook. I have two beautiful grandchildren that are eight and nine years old. And they're adorable. Not that any of you have seen them, but they are absolutely, <laughs> utterly adorable. They really are. They're pretty special. Um, I love watching the, the photos and videos you share. <laughs> they're, you. they're so cute. Um, and they're lucky to have you. I, you and I met 12 years ago. And we met in BC, uh, Northern BC, and I had nobody there. I knew nobody there. And our Neither children actually went to school together. Yeah. And it was just 
it was an amazing immediate connection. I've always, I've always been drawn to mother figures and, and especially people who have unconditional love and, and have, you know, experienced their own trauma and their own, their own loss. And, uh, you know, my experience with my own and <laughs> as horrible that as that is, um, I messaged you and, and the reason that, that we started this episode particularly is I messaged you after I had gone to a store and for anybody watching, I live in Winnipeg, Manitoba, Canada. And unfortunately, Winnipeg and Manitoba in general has to be one of the worst communities for the Indigenous culture. And I went to the store and I was watching a young girl and what I'm assuming to be her father and she was pushing a stroller and he didn't look healthy. He didn't look very well. He looked like he was um, very much struggling. And I would say struggling in a um, addiction fashion, um, whatever that may be. I was, there was no judgment for me, but I watched the daughter. And as I watched the daughter, I, I was overwhelmed with grief to think that the way my children were raised, and I, I, I'm no, I'm not a great parent. I never have been a great parent. I've made my. You mistake, are a great parent, right? And and but we learn, right? From our children, we learn, and we learn how to, you know, be better for them and be better for ourselves. And I sat there, and and I was with my oldest son, and it got me thinking just how some people's lives are so different. And the cycles that that really creates. And it got me thinking, because you are so outspoken and, and an advocate for the Indigenous communities, is breaking those cycles. I've seen, especially in Winnipeg, especially in Manitoba, I've seen a lot of cycles of abuse, of, you know, uh, in every, every way, shape or form, um, incest, rape, all of that um, can, can be associated and, and knowledgeable here where we are. And yeah. I, I'd love to help whoever, whether it's the Indigenous culture, whether it's other cultures, just break those cycles. We don't have to be like our parents. We don't have to be stuck in a lifestyle that's not meant for us. Yeah, absolutely. And so I wanted to do this episode with you and, and just talk to you about those cycles and, and how to break them. Because a lot of people who are in the midst of those cycles or raised in those cycles of, of abuse, addiction, um, loss, very much so loss. And, in, in and it carries, it carries over. It does. And, and one thing I've, I've learned is that it doesn't matter um, geographic, look, you know, where you are, doesn't like my dad, my dad moved away from Edmonton where we were from with me when I was only three years old, because he wanted to try and, you know, he wanted me to have a good life. And so he brought me out to Vancouver and I think he thought that, you know, that things were going to be much better there, but my dad and I have had many discussions about this and it finds you no matter where you go. Um, my dad, you know, there was a history with the women in my family um, that had kind of been, getting passed on. Um, and I don't, I think my dad thought that bringing me away from there, he could protect me from that. And I remember getting into an argument with him. I think I was probably about 20, 26. And it was the first time that I shared with my dad what had happened to me all those years that I had 
been in foster care and when I was running away and and um, he he was horrified. Of course, he was you know upset to hear that this had happened to his his only daughter. And uh, but I remember being I went through a phase where I was really angry at him. I thought, well, maybe if you'd told me that this was happening to all the women in our family, maybe I could have maybe it wouldn't have happened. But we don't know that, right? I was just a phase that I needed to go through. I needed to go through that that anger towards my dad. My dad and I are really close now. And we talk about these things all the time. We actually went to university together and did our degree in Indigenous studies together. He was a year ahead of me, but we took a lot of the same classes, um, which was pretty interesting and pretty hard at the same time. My dad, like when you go through the Indigenous studies it's much like when you take social work classes, right? You're, you're faced with your own biases and you're faced with your own sort of unresolved family issues. You go, all of that, it gets kind of torn open and you're forced to look at it underneath a microscope, which is very difficult when you're in the same class as your father, because I, at that point, didn't want to have those discussions with my dad in the room. So I was very, I didn't start actually sharing my story until Till I left up north when I came back home I phoned my dad before I came home because I knew what I was going to do when I came here I had a plan I knew that I was going to be getting very involved with outreach again I knew that I was going to share my story our local women's center had gotten some funding not a lot of funding but it was enough funding for them to start a community action team and that community action team was geared at um, women who had experienced sexual exploitation and uh, I thought that's, I knew that right away. I have to go home and I have to support this. And I knew that it meant having that conversation with my dad so that I could move forward and share my story. And I knew that I might be sharing it in a public, in a public manner. Um, I didn't know how much that would happen, <laughs> but I just had a feeling that, and I, I, I felt like I was ready. The, the woman who I had always considered as a mentor, I didn't physically know her, but I, I followed her work. I studied her when I was in school. Um, I did presentations on her. I did PowerPoints on her. I was just so amazed with the, the, the cycles that she had broken and the barriers that she had busted through. Um, but I also knew that she had gone back to the life. She was no longer available as like, I would never, I, I didn't think I'd ever get the chance to meet her. So um, one of my friends at the youth center that I was working at actually said, well, you can't live through her anymore. You know, it's your turn, right? You got to step up. And I was like, oh, I wasn't ready. But, but by the time I got home, I was ready. So for me, it was always about networking. It was about doing the, one of the most uncomfortable things. And that was connecting with other women because that was always very hard for me. Um, I've always had like one or two close women in my life. Like when I was up North, you know, you and I connected. I also had another friend in the same town and I still stay in touch with both of you. You're both very, very near and dear to my heart. But as far as like, you know, reaching out to like networks of women, I was not, I wasn't comfortable with that, but I became comfortable with it. And I learned very quickly that when women gather and support each other, instead of tearing each other down, that amazing things happen. And the more that started to happen, the more I became comfortable and I wanted to be a part of carrying that forward. 
Yeah. So that's a big part of my work and what I do now, right? Um, with the indigenous community, of course, um, I, I, as you know, I grew up without, uh, without very much of my culture. Um, and I grew up in a non-indigenous neighborhood a non-indigenous school. Um, where I was growing up, it was not, um, it was not okay to be different. Um, not just indigenous, it was, you know, BIPOC period, you know, as, as well as LGBTQ, it wasn't safe to be different other than the, the mainstream, right? So it took me a really long time to unpack all of that. And it was actually, you were talking about learning from our kids. It was my son who encouraged me to get back in, you know, to, to learn about my culture. And so I started passing on the little bit that I did know to my son and that kind of, yeah. So he helped me start that. It's like my son and you know, my son, <laughs> um, my son was the reason I started everything that I do. Um, he's the reason I went into coaching. He's the one, reason that I went in and I started a Phoenix identity and I wanted to create something different and help him reclaim his identity and who he is and, and yeah, teach him so important. And, and how to do the everyday things he needs to do. And, you know, he's, he's so different now. Right. And, and our relationship is so close now where, you know, a few years ago we weren't talking and it's, mm-hmm. it's a lot different, but the cycle was definitely there talking about breaking cycles. The cycle was definitely there for us in that, you know, the way that I was treated and the way that, you know, he was treated and the, the manipulation and the, our family was very big on, on manipulation. Everything was a manipulation, right? If, you know, it was conditional love, it was, and, and I've always fought against conditional love. I've always given and, and expected unconditional love because that's, that's something you're entitled to. And first and foremost, that comes from yourself, right? You have to have unconditional love for yourself. And that's all parts of you, you know, your past, your traumas, the, your life cycles, the, the way you've been raised, the, the things that you've seen. So breaking the cycles is, is a huge thing for me because I never wanted to be like my parents. I never wanted to, I, I was molested as a child. I, um, like you, I turned to work that I shouldn't have turned to, but it made me more compassionate and it made me stronger and it made me understand people in a different way and be able to connect without judgment, right? Being able to connect to something bigger than yourself or, you know, um, you know, and I've shared it on the show once before, I was a sex worker uh, growing up. Um, mm-hmm. And within that, there was always the judgment. Oh, you know, you're, you're a, all these names that they throw out, promiscuous, slut, all of that. And we're judged and yeah, absolutely. I, I, I can't tell you how many women I met throughout that time that were either forced into it by a partner or forced into it because they, you know, they needed to support their family, right? It wasn't because that was the easiest thing to do, or they were also part of that part of the cycle. Exactly. I was, I was actually recruited out of gym class, grade eight, uh, by an, by an older girl who was also being exploited. Yeah. So I don't, I don't hold any, 
any blame towards her at all. And mine, it was happening for her. mine was similar as well, right? Where it was a friend of mine who, you know, traded it for favors and it spiraled out from that. So it, yeah. there's a process, right? And for a lot of people, you, and, and for anyone looking to break cycles, it's not it's not about changing your whole life. It's about knowing what the cycle actually means, right? And knowing your role in that cycle. Everything that happens happens to us happens for a reason. Now, while I'm not I saying, live by that, um, I, really, I really do. I'm not saying that we want negativity to happen in anybody's life. We don't, right? No. But, it, but it's a guarantee. That is one of the only guarantees of being alive is that you are going to experience traumatic life-altering events. And those events don't define you or don't define your future or your inability to move forward. It, they make you stronger, but it's just going to say, in fact, it's almost the opposite, right? Like you can pull positive. There's always, always something that comes in on, I never believed that when I was young, but when my daughter passed away, I had a daughter that, well, you, you know the story. I had a daughter that was, that was murdered in 92, Christmas Eve of 92. And I remember when I got up to speak, I did the eulogy at her service. I don't remember much of the service. It's kind of fuzzy, but one of the things that came to me was that, um, and that I spoke about that day was that I did not want her death to be in vain right? I wanted her story to be shared. I wanted her story to be told and whatever teaching or learning came out of that. I wanted to, I wanted that to happen. Yeah. So 15 years later, almost to the day um, when I was working in the women's shelter emergency uh, homeless shelter here in Nanaimo, I met someone that was very connected to my, to my daughter. Um, and we clued in because um I was sharing the story and she finished the story for me. She got all excited. She's like, Oh my God. She's like, yes, I know who you are. You, you know, my son. And um, yeah. So it took 15 years, but, but her story carried that far. Right. So, cause I mean, this was like 1400 kilometers away from my daughter died in Calgary. Yeah. This happened here in Nanaimo. So yeah. I, I try to tell myself that, Everything is for a reason, even the bad stuff. I I coined a phrase and it's negativity is the catalyst to positive growth. And it truly is because any negative can be turned into a positive. Any situation can be created to make you stronger and to make you learn and grow and become a better version of yourself. So <laughs> talking about Absolutely. Women, uh, men and women who are in our, you know, in this discussion about, about the cycles, right? The abuse, the addiction, the, you know, encouragement and, and all of that, you do have the capability of breaking that cycle. Absolutely. Absolutely you do. It's not easy. And while you're in it, you're definitely not going to feel like it is. Um, you might not even feel like it's possible, but it's no, always possible. My mom, my mom always told me that any destination it's not worth it if it was too easy. Mm-hmm. So I'm really glad she taught me that because that's one of the things that kept me going. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it, as tough as it is, you know, 
that means you're on the right path. Yeah. I, and you know what, you made a couple points and that's why I started this show. And honestly, it's why I started women supporting women because women, when women actually support each other and build each other up and, and hold space for each other to talk and share our stories, we can change the world. We, we have that power. And so I've seen it happen. Yeah. For the show. I actually even wear a hoodie now that I think when, when you have a perfection complex, which is basically what it was, is a perfection complex. Not that you expected perfection, but it was expected of you, right? You believe that in order to be happy, you have to be perfect in order to succeed. You have to be perfect in order to take risk. You have to be perfect in order to achieve anything. You have to be perfect. And that creates a lot of the panic, the anxiety, the sense of identity going out the window because your sense of identity is tied into that perfection, right? I'm not okay. I'm not nice. I'm not beautiful. I'm not thin. I'm not pretty whatever the, the thought process is, it goes back to that belief that I need to be perfect, right? There are so many men and women in this, in, in society nowadays, especially close to our age, who have that myth of perfection, right? That my finances need to be perfect before I start my, my dream business. I, you know, I have to be a dentist because I can't be a starving artist, I have to be this because I can't be this. We get so caught up in, I have to do this before I do this, that we never end up doing this. And that's why we're doing this episode today, right? Is putting yourself before the goal. We need to stop doing that, right? We need, and, and not even, that's the thing. Putting yourself before the goal is a good thing and a negative thing all rolled into one because you should put yourself before the goal. At every step of the way, you're not putting yourself in front of the goal saying, I'll do that when I work on me. That's not how it's supposed to go, right? Saying, I'll be happy when I reach that goal. That doesn't work, right? Putting yourself first and saying, I love myself now. I'm happy with myself now. And I'm going to be happy now while I still continue trying to work on that goal. And that's, I think, where people get lost is they don't know that it's okay not to have it all figured out while you're working towards that goal. Being multi-passionate, I love that because I'm multi-passionate. Um, I have six businesses of my own and they've all come out of each other, right? And every one led me to the next one. Every situation led me to the next one. It is amazing being multi-passionate, whether that's a hobby, whether that's you know being an entrepreneur, you know, whatever that looks like. We are instinctively multi-passionate as, as women, as parents, as men, as women, because we do become parents. We do become partners. We do. There are so many roles and so many things in our life that bring us happiness and joy that we engage in all of them. I love to read. I love to drive the car. I love to listen to music. I, there's so many things that I enjoy doing. Why shouldn't I do them all? Exactly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Tropic pianist gamer, <laughs> right? Quick yeah, question. I'm always so. Um, even though I don't, I don't have an end goal. I like to grow constantly, so that's why I'm now a writer on top of Tropic Pianist Gamer. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, and that's the beautiful part. There, 
I, I'm, I hate to say this. I don't hate to say this, but as a wake up call to everybody, there is no end goal. Our end goal is death, right? Because that's where we're all headed. None of us are, you know, as soon as we get to a goal, as soon as we achieve a goal, another one pops up, right? And another one and another yeah. one and another one and another one. That's why I took away from that feeling worse about yourself or do you feel uplifted? Do you feel positive? Do you feel like you're you're capable do you know what I mean yeah absolutely um, there yeah so recognizing that energy and being open to connecting with other people yeah now you and I I know you and I and multiple other people across Canada and the U.S. and and everywhere really globally are trying to create support groups and outreach programs and and just places for men and women to go to get the help that they need and feel supported, right? We, I, I'm the least judgmental person, you know that. <laughs> so are you, right? <laughs> we, we all, we've all been there. We've all, we all have things that maybe we shouldn't have done, but we did. And, you know, now we're smarter and wiser and yeah, we've all made mistakes, you know, drugs. I don't judge anybody for doing drugs because I know what creates mm-hmm. it. I know what creates addiction. So I don't judge people who are addicts because I know why they're doing it. Um, And then I help them. Right. Right? And yeah. And then you, you go back and you're like, okay, let's, let's help you deal with this. Right. And depending on the sphere that you're in, um, you know, people who are in careers that maybe they shouldn't be in, like you, like we were, um, I don't judge them. You're doing the best that you can. At, you know, like what you have, exactly. what you have. every mistake, every failure. And I always quotate that every failure or mistake that we have in our lifetime is just a lesson. It's, it's a stepping stone. Um, Winston it. Churchill said that it was a stepping, uh, it was failure are the stepping stones to success. And I actually twisted oh, that. But they're springboards. If you ever notice, they're springboards. They're not stepping stones. They're springboards. You know, a gymnast runs across the platform and they're running and they're running and running. And then they hit that springboard and that springboard launches them over. Very right? true. For I, wouldn't be able, I wouldn't be where I'm at. I wouldn't be able to have this beautiful space to work in, have the life that I have if I hadn't made all the mistakes that I made because my career is literally based around it mm-hmm. mine too um, everything I do every day from the moment I wake up um, I'm out the door seven o'clock in the morning um, I go pick up the lunches load up my car and I head right downtown and everybody knows me they know where to meet me and then I come to my office and I get to work around like-minded people I have uh, an employer that is phenomenal she's never turned down any of my ideas I went to her and said can we start a podcast and she said yep she helped me get the gear we made it happen um yeah every idea I've ever brought to her so I'm I'm so supported here and if I had not grown up a street kid grown up in foster care went through all those all the grief and the loss and and you know had other people come along and help me break those barriers I wouldn't be here wouldn't be here no neither would I and where we are is an amazing place where you know our focus is helping people and 
So what are you- I'm so I'm so proud of you and happy for you that that you're doing this. You're helping a lot of people, well, and you're 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 providing that pl- a platform yeah. for people to have. You know, you're amplifying their voices. So I'd like to thank you for that. Absolutely, it's needed. Honestly, it's needed. We we need to stop judging people, and we need to stop assuming that we do. We got to get over ourselves. Yeah, and and help other people out. Passion. Yep. Compassion, empathy, sympathy all of that. We need, we need to have more of that understanding more than anything, understanding, right. And we don't get enough of it. And yeah, so that's, that's why the platform is so good. I'm going to be sending you some of these. Ooh, what are you sending me? These are one of the things that I make. I have tons of them here. Um, so you are in Winnipeg. So you are in a predominantly Ojibwe speaking, uh, maybe some Cree speaking nation there, right? I believe so. So this is part of the program that I went to my boss and asked her if I could make these. So this is Cree. Oh, I like that. They come on um, pretty ribbons and I also have uh, keychains for them as well. Oops. So these are just like basic greetings and phrases like um, that is that's his help. That's thank you. I'll see you again. And then I also have Ojibwe. Oh, wow. So when I was doing outreach during the pandemic, when the pandemic first started getting really bad here, I kept meeting, actually, I kept meeting um, Indigenous people that weren't from here. They were from Winnipeg. They were from Northern Manitoba, Ontario, Alberta, Saskatchewan. And they had lost... They didn't have that cultural connection, which is so important. Like, it's just, I can't say enough. I mean, the opposite of addiction is connection. I learned that recently. Um, so I came up with the idea. I said, well, there was one, one young man who has a son that he visits once in a while, and he wants to be able to pass the language on to his son, but he doesn't remember much of his language. So I originally created them for him in the Cree language. And then it just kind of grew from there. So we went to the we have three languages right now, Ojibwe Cree, and then the local First Nation language, which is called Halkaminim. So uh, most popular West Coast language here. But I'm hoping to expand like to other Indigenous languages as well. So That'll be we'll amazing. They're they're that. kind of they're kind of time consuming. Each set is made by hand, and they're waterproof, right? Because I wanted people to be able to like put them on their backpacks or. On their keychain, I carry one on my keychain. Normally, I don't have mine today, but it's about providing culture, um, cultural connection, and also I provide medicine. I always carry medicine. I'm slowly building a little medicine shelf here with like important roots, so like bear root, and um, I always have sage. Um, I'm gonna get a big bag of it right here. <laughs> mine's and mine's in the other room. And we're actually making, um, we're making these uh, pear ties right now. So we hang these in the trees. We can also burn them in the sacred fire and they're made in the, the medicine wheel colors, red, black, yellow, and white. And I made like five or six just while we've been sitting here and, and my practicum student made a big ginormous pile. Of them. Of She's really <laughs> well, this afternoon it's red dress week. So we're going to, I'm going with a, a youth group, an Indigenous youth group, and we're going to be hanging some red dresses and they made some artwork. So can you explain what Red Dress Week is? 
Yeah, it's to honor our missing and murdered indigenous women, girls, and two-spirit. So, and as I am, I, I am a MMIW mom, um, I try to stay as involved as I can. So, yeah, I think we're heading out there at about, I'm just in a thingy, about two o'clock. Yeah, two o'clock this afternoon. Well, so you're two hours ahead, aren't you? Yeah, yeah it's 2.30 here. Yeah. <clears throat> so... For people who are in that cycle, um, it's, let's talk especially Canada because we're in Canada. You know, we're close neighbors to the U.S. <clears throat> I know that in Nanaimo they have you to reach out to. Absolutely, um, I know in Winnipeg there are groups to reach out to. Uh, off the top of my head, I'm horrible. I can't remember what they're called, um, but there are groups to reach out to in Winnipeg as well. Um, you have the bear clan there too. Yeah, that's true. I really wish we had, I really wish we had the bear clan here. We're so desperately in need of something. The other work, I'm such a big fan. Yeah. I follow them on, on their social media and watch what they do and yeah, yeah, we could learn a lot from them. You know what? There are a couple different variations. So there's the bear clan in Winnipeg. There are also, um, motorcycle clubs across Canada and the U.S., and and for anybody who's watching who is in a life-altering um you know childhood or or life cycle right there is help there are motorcycle clubs there are um there are you know the bear clan and what they do is they help people feel safe they help people feel safe to you know out their um their uh, you know, abusers, if they're being abused, they help protect Connect them. them. Resources. Yeah. yeah, provide them with resources. I've connected with a few. Uh, I think there was one near Fort St. John and Grand Prairie while I was living up there um, mm-hmm. that I connected with. And they're amazing, amazing initiatives for, for people to find help. I highly re- recommend that anybody and everybody who's, who's struggling to break the cycles. The first thing I want to ask you is this is for the adults or, or even the young adults or the teens that are going through those cycles. If you're worried about breaking those cycles, ask for help. Absolutely. First and foremost, ask for help. Absolutely. Don't ever be afraid to actually, I think it's one of the bravest things somebody can ever do is to reach out because it it is the first step. It is difficult when you've always been alone and always gotten used to doing things on your own and not relying on somebody. It is a huge act of bravery to finally say, I can't do this alone. I need help. Yeah. And you can feel free to reach out to myself or Amy with, for that. Always. No, we're, we're always here. Our doors are always open. If we can't help, we will forward you to somebody who can um, with love and and somebody that we trust for sure. The other thing to remember is if you were in a cycle of abuse or addiction or or anything else that was you know like that life altering you know challenge that you faced ask yourself whether you want your kids to experience that that's another thing is asking that question uh, holds yourself accountable to breaking those cycles right um if you didn't that's a tough it, one. they won't pardon me that's a tough one watching your kids watching your kids suffer with that yeah no nope. but um, it's something else seeing them overcome that like my like my son right 
it'll be a year next month for my son. Yeah. And he's I remember been, you going through that. He's been coming on speaking engagements with me. He's sharing his story with the BC Center of Substance Use on May 17th, I think. You know what? Somebody mentioned something to me the other day, and, and I really want to bring it up today, is that the people who do the most help are the people who've been through it, are the people who understand it. You can go to, and I'm not saying doctors and I'm not saying doctors and psychologists and therapists. I'm not saying they're good at what they, that they're not good at what they do and that they don't help. I'm not saying that I'm all for multiple avenues, but there are methods and, you know, methods and mindset that, that just isn't common knowledge and just isn't in what's being taught anymore. And I've had, I've had clients come to me and this isn't a promotion. This is just, I want you to understand anybody listening because Amy understands is that I've had all, every single one of my identity clients, every single one has experienced a trauma. Every single one of them has been through counseling and every single one of them was in counseling for years before coming to me when they came to me within six months, that trauma was changed and they didn't need me anymore. When you've gone through it and you understand it in a different way, it, it changes the game. It does. I agree. And that's why our stories are so important. Mm-hmm. Right. Absolutely. There's a lot of power in sharing, sharing stories. Yeah. And that's what you do with your podcast, right? Your open mic night and your podcast to share those stories. So tell us a little bit. It's to provide a platform. The open mic, we have open mic nights here in the Nanaimo, but for people who have experienced depression, um, it's often uncomfortable for them to attend mainstream events like that and poetry nights and that sort of thing. So here at Literacy Central, we're right smack dab in the middle of downtown the normal and I already have a connection with a lot of people so um my son is one of the ones he comes he brings his guitar and I you know reached out to other poets that I know and storytellers and it's basically we just want to provide a safe platform for people to come and practice their craft whether that's music poetry spoken word uh storytelling and we live stream it as well so that if somebody's not comfortable coming they want to see what it's all about they can watch us on youtube or um um um, musicians or poets that aren't here in the nanaimo if they want to attend there's one in the okanagan that i've been trying to connect with to get him on the show too yeah so yeah it's just to provide a free platform none of our services there's never any fees yeah for sure so Mm -hmm. what about the podcast tell us about the podcast so the podcast is called it's Um, You can find it under Literacy Central Vancouver Island on just about any podcast site. Um, But it's called Red Feather, and I interview knowledge keepers and knowledge seekers. And it's about, it started because of the pandemic, because people had no access to elders and and teachings and culture. So that was originally what it started, and it's just kind of grown from there. But I hope to bridge the gap between knowledge keepers and knowledge seekers. I, this reminded me of a story. I, when I was growing up, I was probably about grade nine, I believe. And I switched schools and I registered my own, my, I registered myself into a school. Um, 
and it was a alternative learning class. And in that alternative learning class, we learned differently. It wasn't a slow class. It wasn't, it was just alternative learning. Just learned in a different way. Yeah. In a different pace too. Right. And so we had what was then called native studies. Um, at that point in time, we had an elder come in, he would teach the class. We did um, indigenous foods. We did indigenous oh. culture. Um, I learned about uh, the specific culture that we were learning about was um, men and their hair, their lux- luxurious hair. Um, the importance of it. Yeah. And the importance of it when it's cut. I know that one of my classmates ended up cutting his hair um, while we were in school. And it was because he had lost his grandfather. And just the the lessons we learned, I went and did a, um, this was before I realized I was allergic to the heat. I went and did a, um, all for the life of me. Our hair holds our history, holds our stories, holds everything. I love. And see, I, I'm, I've always loved that because I've always loved having long hair. That's why, that's why I named my book. Did I send you a copy of that? Yet? I don't think so. No. It's, it's called The Unbraided Braids. Yeah. In memory of my daughter because I, I was thinking about, you know, the fact that I would never be able to braid her hair. Right? Yeah. And that's been, that's been a really big thing. Was that, you know, I would just keep, I just kept having these visions of me being able to braid her hair. And that's where the name came from. I first wrote a poem about it and then I decided to name my book after her as well. I've, so if anybody is wondering, you can find Amy on TikTok and she shares her poetry. She connects with other Indigenous um influencers like sherry mckay who is here in manitoba my favorite. I love sherry. Um, <clears throat> and multiple others uh there are some that i follow who are more comedic and um, um mm-hmm. there's actually one that i follow he's he's a comedian and i i'm sorry i'm probably bungling up the identity but um or the pronouns because mm-hmm. it's all about being an auntie and yeah. Oh, there's a few like that. What, what, De Laron, is it? Oh, I think it is. Oh, I don't want to butcher the name, but I know. Yes. Shay Laron. No, I'm messing it up. Something, too. something along those. Yes. Um, yeah. But quite, quite interesting. And be, being raised in Manitoba, right? I've, I've seen the worst of the worst of the indigenous culture. And oh, they're the one that does the makeup tutorial with the bun highs, you know, high up to the creator and the, yeah, yeah. I know the one you're talking about. Yeah. And so, but it's funny because I have indigenous in my culture as well. Um, not as prevalent, but, and you couldn't tell cause you know, by skin tone, you definitely couldn't tell. Um, which is fine because I'm allergic to the heat and can't tan anyway. So bugger you all. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm allergic to the sun. And yeah, so, but, but there is um, my grandmother on my dad's side had um, indigenous in, in her background. And so, um, or as far as I know, I remember that. Yeah, I think and I I've always been interested that. in the indigenous culture. And I know that for myself, it's, over the last two years, I've been immersing myself more into the Indigenous culture and knowledge because of everything that's gone on and just the pain, right? The pain I felt even. I, I didn't experience it, but I felt the pain. As a universal, I'm, I'm, 
I'm a psychic medium and an intuitive and an empath. So I felt the pain over the last couple of years with, you know, the residential schools and um, the missing and murdered indigenous women. And it's, it's horrifying and disgusting. And I I just wish there was more that could be done to, to change it and protect them because they need to be protected. I watched a TikTok the other day and it was red dress and red hand, red handprint across the face. And it was one of the most beautiful videos I've seen. And I, I love various different cultures. Um, and, and if I could immerse myself and just become knowledgeable in every culture, I probably would. Um, Same. Same. I know I'm that's how I'm pa- I'm passionate about languages yeah um, I think that everybody should be connected to their language whether that's German Russian Polish Italian when I used to go in and speak to I used to do um, cultural identity classes with young people that were going through employment courses through my work yeah and I always talked about the importance of connecting to um to culture and language you know your traditional foods that kind of thing yeah which was one thing I admired about about your family was you guys had that and it was such good food you know what we really didn't though and that's the funny part so my mom's family was majority Mennonite um in in culture but my heritage is English Irish French Dutch Spanish German Scottish and um Spanish, African, and yeah, like I, I'm, I need to do one of those genealogy tests because I don't even know. Right. But yeah. So my grandparents were, were majority were, were Mennonites. So a lot of the foods that I cook come from there, but um, it's changed across the years. My husband's family is from Prague. So now I'm cooking Czech meals as well, which are absolutely divine Um, and and very, very heavy, (laughs) which I like. Uh, Yeah, well, I mean, when I first met Mike, his mom, they they lived all over the world, right? Yeah. His mom learned all the, like a lot of the cooking from each place, like Russia, the Ukraine, where else were they? Germany. And oh my gosh, good food, but lots of very rich food too, though. Yes. Lots of creams yes. and butters. So. Pasta. Yeah. Oh, uh, dumplings here. Um, mm-hmm. What is it? Yeah. I can't remember what it's called. Tom would tell me um, if he was here. I can't roll my R's, so I'm horrible at learning new languages. So I refuse <laughs> to learn many lo- new languages because I, I sound so horrible <laughs> trying to trying to pronounce them. I had a tongue tie when I was born, so I can't roll my R's. But uh, yeah, it's, what is it? Pork, pork, pork roast, Mm -hmm. sauerkraut, and dumplings. Mm. Like you put it all on top of it. Oh my God, it's so good. So good. You're making me hungry and I'm here sitting here with my smoothie. I know. I just finished. I my stomach's gurgling because I had shepherd's pie before before we went on. Mm. <clears throat> Yummy. So breaking the cycles. Um, number one, acknowledging that there is a cycle, understanding how you feel that you're not alone, 
I can't stress that enough. You are not alone. Um, reach out and connect, find, find somebody to connect to, find an organization or a person or just somebody to even just listen. I know we have Teen Challenge. We have all of these networks across Canada and the U.S. that are there, excuse me, to help um, and to bridge that gap. And remember that you have a choice. You're, you're the master of your own identity. so yeah i'm i love this episode and <laughs> half the episode thank you for been, having me yeah i'm really glad you asked me <clears throat> we should get on again because i know there are other topics that you and i could talk on like missing and murdered yeah. women the residential schools um growing up in canada <laughs> mm-hmm. um what is you know loss of um, Harm reduction is something that's very close to my heart as well. And I'm um, trying to bring more awareness here in my community. So what is that? I, I totally missed that. Sorry, harm reduction. Oh, harm reduction. So, Absolutely. Harm reduction. Yeah. You know, and, and as a mom, like, you know, as somebody who was formerly, formerly active in addiction, um, and then also having adult children that, that, that went that went down that same route especially watching my son what my son went through um I went through my phases of being angry denial all of those typical responses and then the acceptance and I now absolutely love and respect everything about harm reduction um one of my favorite phrases that I recently learned is harm reduction is radical love and it's literally saving lives. We are in the midst of a huge, huge opioid crisis here. And yeah, I just had to deal with, we, we just lost a young girl here this morning when I was out doing outreach. So that's kind of why I was kind of scattered all morning um, because I, I decided to stick around until, until, that was, until that was dealt with. Yeah. But um, that's very much a big part of my life now. So we, we could talk about that too. Absolutely. We, we definitely should. And I, yeah, I, I have stories I'd love to share from a different perspective that, that might be beneficial as well. So um, you and I should connect about red feather. Yeah. Cause that I, I, I have a perspective that, that I, again, I'd love to share from, from a different, a different standpoint. Yep. Yep. Uh, I would love that. Yeah. So for anybody watching or catching the replays, um, you can connect with Amy or I. Our information is in the description of this episode. Um, You can find Amy on TikTok, which is the one I linked because Amy's TikToks are fantastic. Um, And she does have links in her TikTok to connect to, you know, the literacy, um, the literacy center. So I'm not as active on TikTok, TikTok as I would like to be because it's such a good platform. It really is. I, I, I found TikTok um, during COVID, of course. Yeah. And I found a home in Indigenous TikTok. And I'm also on Witch Talk and Clean Talk and <laughs> all the different, different places. I need, to, I need to get in those myself. Um, <clears throat> but I have so to. I, I, try to do a, I try to do a very content you know like I have some fun silly stuff but I also like to raise awareness on there as well absolutely well Mm -hmm. 
again, anybody breaking cycles, it's, it seems like it's hard. It seems like you may be destined to turn out like your parents or stuck in a lifestyle that you don't want to be in, but you do have a choice and that strength comes down to you. So reach out, find some help, whether that's with us, whether that's with somebody else, just reach out and find help. And we need to remember that we need to put ourselves first and not, not enough people put themselves first. I couldn't agree more. All right. Well, thank you, Amy, for joining me today. I greatly appreciate it. I hope you found even value in joining me today and, and sharing. Oh, absolutely. Thank you for having me. Thank you for having me. I'm a big fan and I'm very, very happy for you. Why, thank you. To do this now. Well, just a family, this has been the episode. We were talking about breaking the cycles. If you would like to con- to get in touch with either myself or Amy, please do so in the links provided in the description. Um, I will be linking her YouTube for, you know, the, the open mic night and red feather in the comments, because those are amazing platforms. And I'd like to highlight them. This episode has been sponsored by a Phoenix identity. If you'd like to get in touch with them again, they're just, their links are in the description. And if you would like follow and share the show, it'd be greatly appreciated. We are across multiple platforms. If you would like to be a guest host, speaker or if you would like to sponsor an episode or even just want to see a specific topic on the show please feel free to reach out to me on here or through justalivetv.com all right well <clears throat> thank you so much again amy i really appreciate it i had fun thank you melissa we'll have to I connect will send soon. you the recipe oh geez <laughs> send you the I don't recipe. know if that's a good or a bad thing or i'll just make some and send it to you Okay, that might be better. Okay. Maybe <laughs> maybe if you come visit, I'll, I'll make you some. Yeah, there we go. That's a good idea. Or give me a reason to come. Yeah. All right. Well, you have a wonderful afternoon to everybody. Thank you. Everybody you too. watching, lots of love. And I will see you on the next episode. Bye. Thank you. Bye. The strength and feed others. That's another old tradition that women, especially, We would always serve. We serve. We're here to love and love others. And what happened is we stopped loving ourselves and we put everybody in front of us and we stopped centering ourselves and being full and self-care and taking mommy time and taking us time and making sure that we're over full and overflowing with, with pure, real, unconditional love and appreciation of ourselves. And now, finally, we're waking up and realizing, wait a minute, I can't run around on caffeine and Cheerios that drop down the floor and be a good, fulfilling parent. I'm giving out, you literally give out a morphic residency. Uh, One of the colleagues I work with, Rupert Sheldrake, is uh, a biologist, uh, multi-author biologist that's very well-known worldwide and he showcases how we give out morphic resonancy and, and and it goes through everybody and how we're telepathic so if you're low vibrational and you're sucking on a, a diet coke or a coffee and eating a couple cheerios and that's all you got and you think that you're filling your family with pure rich unconditional love and light you're not fill yourself first get centered, get holistic, get healthy, get in tune, and then pour out to all of them exactly how you said it. Mm
you know, boyfriend, what you're doing is unacceptable and, and this is what needs to take place or I'm out of here. Or, you know, if you have to stay quiet and you have to make a plan, which is what I did, I got to a point after the gunshot wound in my head, I said, oh, no, no, no. Okay. You're either going to put me in the ground or, you know, I'm done. And I chose the I'm done. So, you know, if, if we can get to a place to where we can say enough is enough and set those boundaries and have these open dialogues and conversations, that's what I do. That's what I encourage. And I love that. And that's why we had you on the show. Because that's what the show is all about, right? Is building awareness, building, you know, yes. strength and stability and support systems for people who are yes. going through shit. Because, and here I am cursing now. Um, you know, it's getting to that point of the day when Melissa starts cursing. Um, but that's the thing. It, we, so many people in society right now are struggling. Like, everybody is struggling in one way, shape or form or another. And that's why we created the show to highlight those struggles, to highlight hot topics and, and, you know, the everyday life topics and the everyday struggles for everyday people, right? The people who 